What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Good Wolf Project. This is your host, Jerry Scarlato, and today we have a conversation with Taylor Rose. Taylor is a former professional athlete turned entrepreneur who spends a lot of his time now helping people both in person and online to overcome barriers. If you think about what most people struggle with in anything, it is simply overcoming barriers. And one thing that Taylor is a professional at now is how to overcome obstacles, how to push through barriers, how to keep going, how to keep showing up, how to get out of your own way, which is what he says is most people's biggest issue, whether you're average Joe or the CEO of a big international company, all of which he's worked with. Biggest thing that gets in the way is you, yourself. So you have to be able to overcome that. And what you're going to take away from this episode is that what it's going to take is the discipline to keep moving forward. Enjoy this conversation with Taylor Rose. Taylor, what's up, brother? I know most people would jump in with like, so uh, let's get started by telling me your story. But um, we're going to start different. Um, what I did was went through your Instagram story. And yesterday, you were talking about your mental state when you're going through wins and losses. And you asked a question. So I'm going to ask you the same question to start. The question that you asked was, what kind of mentality do you hold when you're winning, but also when you're losing? Yep. That's a key ingredient. That's a, that's a good question there because my mentality now stays the same. A win is a win. A loss is a lesson. And I take everything with the pursuit of just growing. Right. So my mental state now, if I, I take an L, it doesn't deter me from what I'm trying to accomplish because I can learn something from what has happened and I'm not going to let it shut me down. And as a kid, I used to. Right. But now I've grown as a man and I don't let negative feedback or events alter what I'm trying to accomplish. And a win, I don't get super gloaty and try to show it off. It's just a point of, hey, I did something right. Cool. That's some good feedback. Let's do it some more to get some more good feedback. No doubt. I think it's easy, like on both ends of it, when you start getting wins or you have wins, it's also easy to get complacent, right? Um, you have a win and you're like, oh, cool. Just had a win so I can sit and relax for a little bit. I don't have to work as hard for some period of time. That mindset, I think, is just as dangerous whenever you let yourself kind of like slow down because you had, because you did something. And I think a lot of people do that with even small things. I talked about this actually in my story, maybe yesterday, the day before, like working out. A lot of people will celebrate working out like by either laying around doing nothing or they'll go out and have a big, I don't know, a big meal that night or go out and drink with their buddies or something silly because they had a workout. Like that's a tough one to overcome too. So, I, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. And especially on the loss side, like trying not to dig too deep into loss as a lesson is what I really heard you say. How do you cultivate that loss as a lesson mentality? So if you look at it as just feedback, it's not 
losing. It's something that you did and you're getting the feedback back to you. So you could look at what actions were taken or not taken to see why it led you to the result that you weren't looking for. Now you could backtrack and like, okay, what am I going to do now differently to turn this loss into a lesson to become a win? And when you can actually backtrack and look at things in a more critical standpoint, rather than uh, in a, just a negative upset way, that's where you can start to build traction for yourself. So it's not about always like being upset with everything that you're doing that's incorrect. It's learning. And if you can't slow down and learn, sorry, but you're going to keep spinning your wheels. So you have to be able to look introspectively, take the blame sometimes. That's a huge thing as a man. Like, be okay saying I fucked up, realistically. And that is where you can actually grow. Yeah, the the thing that I see and the thing that I used to do and I think I'm a lot better at is not attaching to the loss, like you said. Um, not not The loss happens and you kind of go, oh, I'm a loser and not attaching to it and then not letting yourself kind of spiral down into that that feeling and that um just not not feeling like you're you're actually the thing it's just what happened and then what do you actually gain from the understanding of what went wrong yeah you don't want to label yourself if you're putting labels on yourself as a winner or a loser when either one of those gets well if you label yourself as a winner and don't win you're going to feel lost in whatever you're doing and if you label yourself as a loser, you're going to lose the drive to actually accomplish the things that you had set forth previously. So it's all about living label-free and the pursuit of greatness in every aspect. And I'm not a fan of setting hard stop goals because I think we should evolve and continue to pursue our greatest self overall instead of hitting a target and then all of a sudden, oh, I hit it. Now what? Yeah, now what? You, you set a target and you hit it, but it should be a, a stop in the journey, and then the goalpost can always move, so you're constantly progressing forward. But if you hit a goal, say say you're a runner and you have like a time that you want to hit. Cool, you hit it, and then you have no plans to continue getting better. Well, are you going to continue running? Probably, but you might be feel lost in your journey. So it's always about having that goalpost move just to see how great you can actually become and taking those wins and losses as ammo to keep building upon yourself. Ammo is a good way to put it. I like how you said live a life without labels. I think you put it a little differently, but live a life without labels. Um, that's something that we talk about a lot. Another thing that we have in common actually i owned a fitness studio for 10 years and one of the things that we talked about with our clients a lot was not labeling a food good or bad it seems silly and it seems contrite but whenever you talk about a oh, i had this bad food or i had this good food then when you start putting those attachments to the food then you feel like you're also good or bad because you had this good or bad food how'd you kind of start to put together that mentality of like not living with labels. One, the main one was I've always been an athlete and then I became a runner. So I've been in the track and field world for over 10 years and I'm a sprinter. I'm a runner. 
that's kind of what I associated myself with. And when that got taken away from me, felt lost. Happened to my wife too. She played basketball at the D1 level when she blew out her knee and couldn't play anymore. And she had the ability to go overseas and play pro. She felt lost. So at that point, I was like, all right. That's tough. Can't label yourself with what you're currently doing because you're not going to do it forever. But what you will be forever is you. I am Taylor. I'm a dad, right? I'm a husband. Those labels will be with me forever. So instead of labeling myself with a runner or a coach or a fitness professional, those could be short term. But me, myself, I'm growing as a person and that's who I should label myself as instead of attaching to one certain event or action that I've been training for for a long time because you can get lost in that and when it gets taken away from you, you can go into a very, very dark place. And I did. It was tough for a while. And I had to reconcile with myself and see the other things that were in my life that gave me value. So instead of articulating like I'm just a runner or people always, hey, you're the running guy. No, I'm not. And I had to I had to start correcting people on that. Like I don't want to label myself anymore because it, it puts you into a corner. It backs you in a corner and you, you can't get out sometimes. And when it is taken away from you, you do or can get quite lost. 100%, man. That's another, like, I played college football. And at the end of that, probably similar to you, like I had played football from the time I was, I don't know, in sixth grade maybe or something like that, all the way through college. So you you structure your identity around being an athlete, about having these accomplishments, and suddenly it's gone. It's, it's done. It's stopped. And then you try and figure out, again, what your identity is. Now, eventually like what we're talking about here, you morph into understanding like it's not the thing that you are. It is your abilities. It is you as the person. If you sit down and you actually dig through your mind, you go, it's, it's me. It is my person. It is the abilities that I've developed. It is the skills that I've developed. That's what actually is, is allowing me to achieve all of this. But what are some of the things like, like I know that was in my, you know, early twenties that that happened when football was done. And then I had to figure out what was next. And I think I had a hard time with that for a couple of years. What are some of the things that you figured out? Cause here's where I think a lot of people might translate that is on one side, someone who is in a career and they define themselves by their career. They've thought about opening a business. They've thought about maybe doing their own thing. They've thought about stopping the career and then starting something different. But because they've attached so hard to this thing over here, they're not taking that step to go and do this. So what are some of the things that allowed you to like move through that wormhole of not attaching your identity to the thing? I think I had a great transition because I was a coach and I got to coach and still do coach elite level athletes and seeing them succeed gave me extreme fulfillment because I put in all the hard work on getting them ready, but they were the ones actually stepping, stepping into the cage or onto the track. And that gave me a way to break apart from, oh, I'm just this guy rather than helping just me helping them allowed me to open up the door in my head of like hey you're so much more than what you thought you were before 
And I'll never forget the first time I cornered for one of my fighters. I didn't have a daughter at the time, and it felt like the, the craziest attachment ever. When I saw him getting hit, I got hot, like, no, this can't be happening. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then when he got on top and he's doing ground and pound and wins the fight, dude, I had never been so ecstatic in my life. And that's when I realized, like, there's so much more to them, my own selfish pursuit of athletics. And as the years have sculpted on by, I've helped transform other people's lives, not just in elite level performance, but overall life and longevity and quality of life and in their business. And that gives me fulfillment to know that I'm impacting people for me and what I've been through, not because I was just a runner. So that transition did take a few years to kind of come through for me. But now as I've done a little bit more self work and looking back on things and I have my daughter, you take time to slow things down and look at life through a different scope. And I was able to break away from those labels that I've previously given myself because of actions that other people have done through my words and help. That's what ultimately helped me the most. That's pretty strong, man. So what I hear you say is when you feel, when you feel yourself attaching internally, look externally to fix it, go help somebody else, go find somebody else and go help them. And it could be as deep as, like you said, actually go cut, like get into a service industry where you're actually helping other people become their best version of themselves. But I think it could also be as simple as like going and volunteering somewhere, going and doing something for somebody else in some way, shape or form, because it gets your mind off of you. You stop focusing on you so much. I think so many lo people lose the... Um, they lose reality when they start to focus on themselves too much. We're all selfish people. We are one person. We are us. So we only see things through the lens of us. And until we actually get out and see that other people are struggling too, other people are having a hard time too. Most everybody is going through some of the very same struggles and issues that you're going through. Maybe, I mean, just in a different context, that's really what kind of like opens the door for, you not being so, in this context, attaching your identity to a thing, you can realize that it's much, it's about much more than that. Yeah, it really is. And that detachment from yourself is really what does it. And I think uh, us as individuals, we are self-preserving. If something really bad is happening, we're going to do anything we can to survive. But we have grown up in such a easily accessible world that our selfishness leaks into other areas that it probably shouldn't be. And when you become selfless and start serving others, that's when you can really help not only yourself internally, but impact people's lives that wouldn't have made transformations or changes if they didn't have an outside source to kind of lean on or somebody to listen to them. And that's really, really powerful in and of itself because a lot of people like to talk and not many people are there to listen, right? And when you're a listening ear and a guiding light rather than a enforcer, that's when you could help people a lot. So my philosophy is education-based and I ask a lot of questions. I don't tell people what to do all the time. That's, that's not right. I've been under that thumb. It's not cool. It's demeaning. And when you have somebody that's actually taking the time to listen and understand you, that creates 
a growth for both people and it, it's it's really really powerful what you can see happen even with like high school level kids and I never wanted to be that guy like oh it's just the old dude tell me what to do but I've had the, the experiences now of like elite level athletes uh, going through college um, screwing up in business like there's so much that I've done and I try to relate to them at their level because I still think of exactly what happened at those times in my life and by listening to what they have to say and just asking them questions, they can come to their own answers. And that's what's really powerful about it. Instead of saying like, well, I did this, I did this, so do this, just listen to what they're saying first. And that's where you can really, really help. Yeah, the, what's that? That's the Socratic method, right? Just asking, asking questions until they get, they kind of get to their own realization. Because I think like a lot of people know what to do. Again, if we use health and fitness kind of as an example, like if you ask just about anybody it, who I got to fly like right around my face. So if I'm like swatting, that's what's going on. Um, if you ask anybody what they should do to lose weight, most of them will give you the answer, right? Like they'll, they'll give you the answer, but I think most people just like convince themselves that they just don't know. They just don't know, or they don't have the abilities or whatever it is, like, because they failed going back to like learning from failure, they failed enough times that they've just convinced themselves that nothing that they know about eating better is, is working. So why do I think that I know anything about eating better? But when you have someone like you on the other end asking questions and pulling it out of you, and then they realize that they actually have the wisdom in there and they have the knowledge in there, it's very empowering for the other person. It's about putting it into action. Is realistically, like you said, everybody knows what to do. They need to get their nutrition right. They need to move their bodies a little bit more and put it to work. But what makes it hard? It's those self-limiting beliefs of I've tried so many times and it hasn't worked for me. And it might be a lack of knowledge. It, it could be. Nutrition is daunting for a lot of people. There's so much misinformation out there. And it, there's extremists that try to get you to side with them because it's super polarizing content. And you're like, oh, I need to do keto. Oh, no, no, I need to be plant-based. Uh, and then it's just super overwhelming. But the biggest thing is believing in yourself and don't let one decision or one, one failure burn you twice. Right? You don't want to get burned twice by the same exact thing. So if you had a bad experience and you're like, oh, no, I'm never going to do that again because I failed. Right? That's where you're not going to grow. And it's, it's a funny analogy, but one of my mentors actually told me this. He's like, all right, well, um, you've dated, right? Yeah, of course. And are you married now? I was like, yeah. So those bad experiences of dating previously didn't stop you from finding your wife, right? I was like, oh, yeah. It's like, well, don't let this decision be the one that stops you from getting to that good, right? So just because you don't make it in your first business or you don't make it in your first weight loss journey or whatever competition you're doing, don't let that one time define the rest of them, aka not existing, like it never happens. You have to keep pushing forward. And that's why we talked about earlier, you don't let the failures define you because if you do, then you're not going to try again and you get burned twice because the first one was a failure and the second one never existed. That's good. That's a great analogy. And I think like a lot of people, it's a perfect analogy because everyone under, not everyone, but like 
99% of people are the goal is to find someone to marry or be with for a long period of time. Like that is a goal. You start with a person and then you move to another person and so on and so forth until you get what you're looking for. You, you find the thing to settle in on. And yet we have so much, we struggle so hard to like attach that to other things in life. Health, <laughs> like the big things in life that also have a, such a big impact on our lives. Pick one thing to one, one exercise program and just stick with it. Pick one nutrition program and just stick with it instead of worrying about like, do I need to be on keto? Do I need to be on carnivore? Do I need to be on this? Do I need to be on that? What do you feel like is a key thing to focus on when it comes to sticking to sticking to a thing? What's a key, two or three key things to focus on when it comes to picking one thing and then just sticking to it? Because it's easy to get bored, right? And that's why a lot of people don't stick to a thing is because they get bored with it or results aren't coming fast enough. So thoughts? Yeah, discipline. It really comes down to one. It's you have a goal. Now you need to stick to it when the motivation fades away. Motivation is going to falter and, and waver. It's going to come and go. But the discipline is what you have the capacity to control every single day. I wake up. I've been doing it for a couple months now, getting up and moving. It used to be a mile run every single morning, and I'll be damned 50% or more. I don't want to do it, but I know that it gets me going for the day. And I've honestly had people reach out saying, hey, you got me out of bed. So the discipline of me doing it is keeping me going, and it's also impacting other people. So the biggest thing about doing it, it's like Alex Hormozzi says, do the boring work. That's what it takes. You just have to stay disciplined and not get bored of it and try to switch things to something novel and new and fun because when you switch around all the time, you'll get 10% progress, switch 10% progress rather than stick to something and get 100% progress. Whether it's two weeks, 10 years or 20 years, you just have to stick to it. Overnight successes are seen all the time on social now, but it's really just coming down to the discipline and the back end stuff that nobody sees, but it's not sexy. Nobody wants to do it, right? But if you can change your mindset to, my biggest thing is once you have a thought, don't think about it. Don't wait. Take one step and take immediate action right when you have that thought. I don't care if it's writing it down or if it's fitness related, going out for a walk, just something make progress and start to create that momentum to keep it going because if you keep mulling it over in our head that's when you start having those conversations with yourself oh well this is going to happen or i'm not going to be able to or i've got this wedding coming up or so and so said i wouldn't be able to, to build the business that i wanted to it's those self-limiting beliefs and doubt that detach you from your motivation right you can be really motivated you got to use that in the beginning but the discipline the discipline is what's going to keep you going. And I, I realistically think that's the primary driver to get you going. I don't think there's two, three, four different things. It's the discipline of showing up for yourself for the goal that you set a week ago, two years ago, five years ago. It doesn't matter. It's just the discipline of getting it done and doing the boring work. Uh, <laughs> sexy is the word that I caught from. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I caught a lot from all that. But I heard sexy in there and I heard that because it was ironic. That was literally the word that was going through my head because 
this like, oh, you just got to do the same thing over and over again every day. Like that sounds very boring and mundane, but yet like mundanity is the thing of it, right? It is, it's literally showing up. There was a study of um, Olympic swimmers. I think it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago. The, the name of the study was the mundanity of excellence. And from the name, you can understand that like, basically what they did was followed the swimmers around leading up to the Olympics to see how they became such good swimmers. And guess what they did? Same thing every day. Showed up at practice, did the same thing. Next day, showed up at practice, did the same thing. Ate a lot and then went back to the pool and did the same thing. Like it is, the excellence is found in exactly what you're saying, the discipline. But I want to go back to motivation, which is what you talked about. You also hinted on that in the beginning because I think motivation kills a ton of people because we feel like, again, I owned a fitness studio for 10 years. One of the things that stopped people, stopped people from coming regularly was just don't feel motivated right now. So I, I feel like the answer is going to be the same, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, how do you stay motivated? You have to attach your motivation to the pursuit, the path, the journey. That's what it should be. And we talked about a little bit earlier about the results, the short-term stuff. That can keep you motivated a little bit intrinsically, right? Maybe you go to the gym and you get a couple extra reps or maybe five extra pounds. Try to cap capitalize on that to keep your motivation up but it will falter. You might get sick and you're going to lose all motivation that week. And it's hard to get it back when you're coming back from that type of thing. So it, it really foundationally comes down to the discipline of it because the discipline is your mindset, your mind frame of you wanting to accomplish your goal. And even myself, I was trying to make the, the Olympic team in 2016 and 2020. There was days I did not want to go to practice, but then I look at the calendar I'm like, I got two years to get ready for this every day, which is not a lot of time. Mm -mm. Nope. But I also think that that discipline and the motivation of a great, great, great event like that gives athletes a leg up on the pursuit of excellence in other areas of life because we were willing to dedicate and sacrifice everything in the pursuit of that physical excellence. That's what I try to instill in other people and help them find that. And motivation is, it's hard to find it deep intrinsically all the time. But if you can root down to something, that's what will keep your motivation up. Motivation might be a, a 1 out of 10 one day and a 10 out of 10, but you always have some level of motivation. And if it's low one day and you wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and you're not happy, well, you're not happy, you're not super motivated, but that should be a little bit of motivation to get you going. Or if you're not living where you want to live, even if you don't want to show up to work that day or put into work to the business, that should be your motivation right there and kick in the discipline to keep it going. So one of the things that we taught our members was um, at least this works real well for working out works well enough, I think for other things as well, but um, the 10 minute rule, you don't feel motivated, especially after work. Like, you understand you've had a long day of work. It's five o'clock. You feel like going home. You just want to sit there, sit on the couch and relax, right? Come to the gym, 10 minutes, 
start moving, do something 10 minutes. If after 10 minutes, you still don't feel like being there, then leave, like go ahead and leave. You try, like you showed up, you tried, it didn't work out, go ahead and leave. And 10 times out of 10, when you show up, when you show up, give yourself 10 minutes, you will stay, like you will still do it. It's like, it's that initial just like starting of things that, that people stop themselves on going to the gym. Like, yeah, it takes a little bit of effort and it's that starting, it's that going of it that people, they feel like a little bit of friction and inertia there. And they're like, ah, that's just enough to stop me. But you just got to go. You just got to show up because I assume you started because you want to become something different. Like that's the underlying assumption when you start to any personal development pursuit that you want to become something different. And if that's the case, then you have to understand that it's going to require you to, to push through some of these mental blocks and barriers that you have going on. So that's a big one. That 10 minute rule is uh, something that I've seen, but not put into place. And I mean, I have a, a gym myself and showing up is the hardest part for some people, but that could be their, their win to actually keep it going. And I'm, I'm super stoked to hear that you had that 10 minute rule there and then put it in place. And I'm sure that got people to not only get better results, but stick around longer because they started to believe in themselves. And that was a simple, simple task of just, just give me 10 minutes, just 10. Anybody can do that. hundred um, percent. Time frame. So in the Olympics, you have four years to train for your outcome. You're, you're trying to win one race, maybe a couple more, but for most athletes, I'm assuming it's one. Like I'm assuming the average athlete runs one race, one race in track and field. So you have one race you're trying to win and you have four years to train for it. So you said, and I completely can see this, how Olympic athletes especially have a head up on a lot of people because you understand like four years, first of all, you understand is not a lot of time, which is in your mind, like a good thing and a bad thing, because most people it's like, if I haven't made any progress in four weeks or in four months, then I start to feel bad about it. And then I want to give up. So how do you translate that time frame for people? Cause it's another, that's another big one. Like people want things to happen real quick. Like let's start checking things off the list. I want to get to this goal now, 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 now. How do you start to like pull them, rein them in and, and go like, this is going to take, this is going to take time. I had to train for four years to try and get to one race. I think one of the easiest ways on the fitness side and weight loss is having them relate to how long it took them to be where they are at now, the start of wanting to make a change, right? It does not happen overnight. You don't gain 30, 40 pounds in a year. If you do, you have to try really hard, realistically. Yeah. The cool thing, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel for them is they can lose that so much faster than they gained it. And they're going to get other wins along the way, right? So a four-year time frame in my head, it's still a long time. But for the goal, it's super short because you only get two, maybe three shots at it because that's eight to 12 years, right? So you go all in for four. 
If somebody goes all in for six months or a year, dude, you know how much you can grow, how much results you can get, how much weight you can lose, how much stronger you could get, how much more mental fortitude you can have in six months to a year rather than the five to eight that it probably took you to get to where you were unhappy with yourself. That's the biggest thing that I try to get people to realize is in the grand scheme of things, it's actually a super, super short amount of time that they could get to where they want to be. That's more fitness related. On the business side of things, it's a grind. And I think that's why a lot of the people that have the same mentality that athletes have are more successful because there are very, very few businesses that will take off in the first two years. And I think the, the actual statistics of the first year of business, 90 some percent close, or maybe it's 60 or 70 by year three, over 90% and five is you, you made it over the hump. Five's tough. But that's yeah, waking it's up. five, five, you're good to go, right? Like, quote, yeah. unquote. so the joke is, right. <laughs> but, and that's, but you've it, made it a long way in five years. Yeah. And it's unbelievable. Like my, my gym now we're six years in and it's, it's still learning. It's still implementing. It's still fear. It's still excitement. It's still everything from the beginning, but now it's at a bigger scale. And now you have so much more to learn and so much more to implement and more people rely on you, more people to serve. And it's not just, oh, it gets easier with time. <laughs> no, that's, that's a big misconception. Even when you're super fit, the people I, I like to tell that they're first starting their journey is, do you think people in the NFL and NBA have easy practices? Do you think it's easy for them now because they're fit? It, it, it always sucks. The suck is always there. You just get more fit and more healthy, so you push yourself even more. But they're not just skating by because they're pros now. So you're going to be putting in just as much work as they are. You're just at a different level of the game. But you guys are equals. The work needs to be done. The work is still tough. But you're getting the results just like they are. Higher level problems, right? So you get to a certain point in the beginning you got all these small problems. How do I get started? What, how do I set up a business account? How do I start an LLC? Like, how do I do all these small things, which are important, but then a year later, you've knocked some of those out and then you're like, it's chaotic here. How do I start making systems to make it a little less chaotic? And you start making systems and then you're in three years and you're like, all right, I got a couple of systems down, but I feel like our marketing's not on point. How do I get marketing so that I can make sure so it's, it's higher level problems. The further down the journey you go, you, you don't know what you don't know until you get to that part of the journey, right? People assume that they need to know everything in the beginning, like as they go through it, but like in five years down your journey, you're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to run into a problem five years ago. You wouldn't have even, it wouldn't have been part of your brain. Like you wouldn't have even thought about it because you are at literally a different level. You're, you're literally in a different location on your journey. You can't see that problem back there. You can only see it from here. And that's exactly what you're saying. Six years into your business journey, now you can see, you see different problems and you're just solving different problems. Yeah, it's building up your, your toolbox as you go and you start needing bigger and bigger tools for bigger and bigger problems. and I don't like to label problems as a bad thing. It's just something else that you need to overcome. And that's the growth behind business itself 
but also fitness too. So you're going to hit plateaus, business, fitness, health. There's going to be plateaus, mental barriers. There's always going to be something. You, you're going to get a win, but we talked about earlier. There's always going to be the, uh, a lesson in the future, right? And sticking to the process, the boring work that is not sexy is what's going to get you to where you ultimately want to be. But I still think that there's no real ultimate goal. Unless you write it down and you say, this is going to be the fulfillment of my life when I hit this and you hit it and you actually feel fulfilled and feel like you don't need to do anything else. Major kudos. I don't know anybody that can actually do that. I, I don't realistically. We're never going to be truly satisfied with whatever we do. And there's people who point the finger and think that's selfish, but I think it's ingrained in us to continue to push forward because that's what gives us the fulfillment. Whether people relate to the journey or not, that's the fulfilling part. But it does take time within the journey to realize what you've been through and be grateful for what you've done in the fitness and in the business side of things. And just looking at the tools that you have now, all the knowledge and taking that and using it for yourself, but also impacting others along the way. Uh, to your point, like I'm a big believer that progress is literally biologically built into us. Because if you think about our ancestors 100,000 years ago, hunter-gatherers, what did, like they had to, had to. They had no choice but to be progressing from one place to the next, to be searching for the next kill, to be searching for the next place for safety, to be searching for the next, I don't know, patch of trees to be able to climb up and get fruit or whatever to be able to dig down and get tubers out of the ground. Like they had to be constantly progressing and moving to different areas and finding different things. Otherwise they literally would die. Like their lives were literally on the line. Now we don't have any of those problems. So we literally have to build that progress into our lives. We have to build purpose into our lives. Our ancestors had that, which in my mind is almost, <laughs> it's ironic that I'm going to say this because I would not have lived a hundred thousand years ago and worried about things, lions, tigers, and bears actually having to eat me. But on the other end of it, it's like they had everything, like that's what they had to do. They had one thing to focus on, live. Now we don't have to focus on that necessarily. We don't have lions and tigers and bears. We have a bunch of made up lions and tigers and bears that we worry about and concern ourselves with. And they stop us from doing things and they cut off, cut off um, our progress. So I, I believe like exactly what you said, like it's literally biologically built into our DNA going and progressing. And when people don't feel fulfilled, like when they feel like life is just like, man, it, it's, I believe a big reason is because they're not moving after something, whether that's in their physical health, in business, in relationship or whatever it is, they're not moving to something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stagnation. That's it. And it's so easy for that to happen now because of how easy everything is getting food, getting water, getting a job, having some level of just ease and comfort is what prevents people from excelling in life. And, that's what I think is the, the most dangerous thing out there is complacency and comfortability. When you hit that, that's when you start pointing the finger at other people, being upset that you're not where they are and looking at things through a negative scope. But that's because you put yourself there. 
when it hurts enough to make a change, then you'll realize what it is to continue pushing forward. And that's where you can get yourself out of that hole. But I, I see that a lot now. And, you know, I think the pandemic brought forth a lot of that because people were forced to be in. And in my line of work now, I feel like it really made you or it completely broke you. And there's people that are just now reaching out to me nearly four years later, trying to get out of the hole that they've been in since 2020. It's wild. But the other, yeah, the other people that capitalized on this downtime to do work on themselves, build a business, get fit, are so ahead of everybody else that it's going to be incredibly hard for anybody else to catch up. So the, the, the life that we live now, this may seem kind of dark, but I'll, I'll go there. Take everybody that's alive now. Go back to that 100,000 years ago. How many people are going to make it? <laughs> right? Yeah. Who's willing I'm to put you. in the work to survive? If you're not willing to put in the work to give yourself a better life, give your family a better life, what would happen when things really hit the fan and you got to do some really uncomfortable things or sacrifices for the greater good to make sure that you're thriving? That's, that's why there's more excellent people in the world today because they want to thrive. It's just a different standard and it's kind of arbitrary. You know, our, our money, our houses, our material things, I think it's somewhat arbitrary, but it just shows who you are as a person and how much you're willing to do to achieve greatness. That's what it comes down to for me. And that's a big motivator for me. I'm like, I don't want to be that complacent person. No way. I will always push for more. Yeah, I think, well, to your point, like, of course, it's all, like everything is made up. And like you said, it's all arbitrary. All of our status symbols, it's all arbitrary. But at the same time, like throughout life, that's what it's been. Like throughout history, everything's been arbitrary. Status symbols have just changed over time. So you just have to decide what status symbol you want to, like you want to progress to something. Which one do you want to progress to? Which one Which one do, do you want to want? Do you want to start to march after? I feel like I've had too much coffee today, but I don't feel like I've had that much. I start stuttering when I, I get about three cups of coffee in me. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I just don't think that people realize like how unusual it is that they're even on earth. Not unusual. That's not the right word. How blessed they should feel that they're actually on earth, that they're actually here because if you think and i think about these things often maybe maybe that's not no, normal but like if you think about a hundred thousand years ago you have ancestors from a hundred thousand years ago they had to survive ancestors after that they had to survive and meet and so on and so forth all the way up to you the odds of you being here it's some ridiculous like one in 20 trillion like some dumb big dumb number the odds of you actually being on earth are very very tiny and you wasting it, you wasting it, not a, someone else didn't come, you are here, but you're wasting it because you want to be comfortable. I don't, I don't think a lot of people maybe just don't think in that idea. Like, how do you push somebody to go? You're not, you are one, you are a blessing to this earth. Push yourself to be a blessing to this earth. How do you get someone to open their eyes to that? That's where the questions come in, right? So how I coach is asking questions. 
And if they can't find it in themselves, nobody can give them the answer to it, all right? Everything needs to be found intrinsically. If you feel like you've lost in life, well, look down deep inside, see what that, it may be a self-limiting belief, you may be going through grief, we're, we're all gonna have those phases, but if you can't find the answer yourself, it's really hard to help you, right? But the, here's, here's the cool thing. Doing it by yourself is extremely hard and that's where you can actually get stuck. But when you do have somebody asking the right questions, giving you some, one, accountability, two, some level of motivation, even though I think it's almost purely intrinsic, but they are there to support you, you feel cared for, and then that's where you can start to create traction to start making those movements, right? And every person's gonna have a different story where you have to ask different questions. And it's not gonna just be any random person asking you questions. It's gotta be somebody that you can relate to and that you know cares about you. It's like me personally, my clients, my in-person clients and even online. It takes a while for them to open up with what's really going on and why they're trying to achieve something, right? It's not gonna happen overnight unless they've already opened up to somebody else probably more recently, not too far off in the past, where they're more comfortable talking about it and they're already on the path of getting better. So that's where it's really good to find mentors and coaches that you truly trust and believe in to help be your guiding light to find your own answers inside. Because we don't have the answers, you do. We can only show you the path that we've walked and what has kind of helped us or the other people that have been impacted. And when you see that, that can be getting the gears going for them to actually make that change. And I've, I've been through some like dark stuff. I, I, my knee surgery, I thought I was never gonna walk again. I had, uh, realistically, haven't really talked about it, but suicidal thoughts in my head. I thought I was done for, like in bed eight hours plus a day uh, on a machine, not able to move. It was, it was a very, very dark time for me. Um, I've gotten smacked by a car where I, I blacked out, like gone, I've been knocked out before, this was different. I'm at round two right now. That's my motivation. It took me two years to open up about getting hit by the car. And it was because somebody asked me the right questions. I had a mentor at the time that was helping me and I opened up about it. And that's what gave me the light of, wow, this is round two for me. I need to help as many people as I can. But it's not telling them what to do. It's guiding them to their own answers. That's good, man. Um, I'm glad you were able to work, work through all that. I know, I know how tough that can be. Not, not that directly, but I'm glad you were able to work through it. Cause I know that the world's going to be a better place. Um, the last, last year I went through a divorce and the fitness studio, I actually closed the fitness studio. They were both 10 years in the making. So I can relate to finding a sec second mountain to start to climb right? Which is what you're talking about. Mine's not quite as, not quite, mine's not, wasn't life-threatening in a certain way like yours was, or, you know, threatening in that kind of way. But still, when you build a relationship with somebody and a business for 10 years, and then you suddenly they're cut off, you're basically making a decision and moving to a different you, moving to a different space, climbing that second mountain. Um, so I can definitely empathize with the feeling and the thoughts that, that come with that kind of thing. 
Um, and I know that it had to have been when you feel like you're not able to do something like your knee surgery, I, I can imagine like when you feel like you're not able to do something again, that was such a big part of your life for so long, how challenging that can be and how, how tough that can be. But, um, I want to spin things around real quick because another thing that I think you, you and I have in common is we're both natural introverts. And I gained that partly from your, uh, we, so we, we found each other through, uh, pod match, which is a <laughs> podcast. Like, yeah, I want to be on your podcast. Hey, cool. Like you look like a person that could really deliver a lot of value. Let's go ahead and throw you on there. So on your thing, you say you're, you used to be a shy, quiet kid. I also was a shy, quiet kid. I'm a natural introvert. I, it wears me out being with people for long periods of time. I say it wears me out. I love being around people, love people more than anything, but it makes me tired. I, I get worn out from it. How do you, it takes a lot of energy. Um, how do you, as a, as an introvert, because I think that holds a lot of people back from trying in business, especially like in business, someone has to be the leader. Someone has to step out and actually do the thing. They have to be the face of the business. And if you are an introvert, naturally, you may not feel like you're, you have the capabilities to do that. How do you start to pull that out of somebody that you can take that introvert part of you, but you can still be something different and be the leader of, of a, an organization or of a team or of a business. I still am trying to figure that out. Right. I've probably related more to just being forced into the situation of having to speak to tons of people. And that's kind of what has helped me, but I still would choose to just hang out and chill with my family than to go out and be with a ton, ton of people. My gym, it's different. They are family now. I'm super comfortable on them. But I also see a brand new person at least every single day that I'm there, sometimes multiple people. And growing up, I think part of me being an introvert was just one, being naturally shy, but also having people doubt me or like say I couldn't do things or like being made fun of. And it just made me recluse quite a bit. And just through my own growth, I was able to see that I do have strengths that they were wrong about, realistically. But then in college athletics, becoming a team captain and having to do speeches and lead the team. I didn't know how to lead the team back then, but I was just excelling with my physical performance. I'm like, okay, well now let my physical performance show the way and the words will come, right? And that's what has been able to help me develop as a speaker, because I hate writing stuff down. I've done so many off the cuff speeches that people compliment me on. I'm like, I didn't prepare or anything for that, right? I just let it come out. And I just like, I just go blank, think about what really matters to me in, in that situation and talk. And helping people find that, I'll be honest, I don't know how to do that just yet, but I, I can help people gain confidence in one-on-one -on -one settings, whether it's on Zoom or if it's an in-person training, because they start to open up and that can pull them out of being reclused and closed up, at least in the short term with me. And then that will leak over into other areas of life. I've had a, a client who was struggling in her relationship with her husband and we just talked and talked and talked. And then I'm like, why don't you ask him some questions? 
Now they have a great marriage. But she was scared to do that because of her history growing up as a child. That's how deep-rooted some of this stuff is. And luckily, I just got put into situations that forced me to come out of not wanting to speak, not really wanting to be the, the guy in the spotlight, um, which helped me. But now I know, as an introvert, what to help people with when they're starting to get out. But it, it is hard still for me to like directly coach somebody how to not be an introvert. I think the reason why we're good at what we do as far as seeming extroverted is because it's a passion of helping and serving others in the fitness world, right? That'll just come out. You'll see my face light up when people start asking questions. Like if you don't, I'm just like hanging out. I'm not doing anything. But you ask me the right questions, still, even if, if you're not like the coach or mentor or whatever, I will light up and I will enlighten you with everything that's in my head, even though I'm an introvert, right? And I think that's a, that's a two-way path right there, a two-way road of communication that can help both parties. So I actually hear a couple of things in there. <clears throat> Number one, do something that you're passionate about. So like if you're thinking about starting a business, if you're thinking about doing something, it means you're probably passionate about it. So there's a good chance that you'll be able to speak to it and you'll be able to lead a team because you'll be able, you can speak to it. You're passionate about making the thing succeed. The other thing is use the strengths that you have. You talked about when you were an athlete, you just did the work. Like you, you used your physical abilities as an athlete and that's kind of how you, you know, led the team. That's how you led the, led everybody is you used your physical strengths, other strengths that you could have had that maybe they weren't, um, you know, being able to speak publicly to people yet, but you, maybe you had other strengths as well. So I think there's a couple things in there. It's, you know, I think a lot of introverts just hold themselves so tight because like I said, you know, I, I'm with you. I'd rather, I could hang out all day, not all day, all the time, but like I could hang out by myself, not my, my, myself, but I, I could hang out at home like a lot. I'd be totally fine. Be totally happy. Love people, love being around people, love helping people more than anything. Um, but at the end of the day, totally fine. Like just being so finding that thing you're passionate about. I think that's a big, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And recently I actually went to an event it was kind of like a networking end of year party event. And one of my, my buddies went, but he parted ways. And just to show you that even now, this was a month ago, I walked around, there's hundreds of people. I didn't know how to introduce myself to anybody. I, I didn't want to. I was scared, shy, everything. It's still in me. So I found a table. I put a drink down and some snacks. And I just kind of stood there under this heat lamp for a while. And these dudes came up and put their stuff down. I was like, um, are they like pushing me away from here? Like I just didn't know what to do. I felt super awkward in that situation. And I was like, screw it. Hey, what's up, man? I'm Taylor. Like super basic. You know how much it took me to do that? Still, six years into business, collegiate athlete, high level performance and, and stages, like that social setting had me so obliterated with everything that I've done before. Like I, I just wasn't there. Turns out this guy was in the fitness world, does um, cybersecurity and we had an hour long conversation because I put myself out of my comfort zone to say one sentence and we connected, right? Put me in that situation again, 
I will probably do the same exact thing. I won't want to talk to anybody. So it's always a struggle, right? Totally with you. Like I, I can a hundred percent empathize with that. Like I, I can, I can visualize doing the exact same thing. That's why I'm laughing. Um, all right, brother, tell me great conversation. Um, before we jump off here, here's a question. What's, so you've worked with people from general population up to D1 professional athletes, CEOs, everywhere in between. What are a couple of things or even just one thing that you find that holds everybody back? Themselves. That's the biggest thing. It's always going to come down to self-limiting beliefs. I have somebody who I believe is, he's doing seven, eight figures and says that he could two, three X his business. And I, we just have the conversation about it because we do business conversation all the time. And he's scared to hire because he just is scared, right? So it's that self-limiting belief. And once you break that, that's when you open the doors. And he's already considered by most extremely successful, right? In the weight room, same thing. Being scared to lift weight, self-limiting belief. You're strong, do it. If you believe in yourself, it's gonna happen. Might not happen overnight, but it's gonna happen. So break those self-limiting beliefs and that's where you will get beyond where you think you can actually be. I love that, that's good stuff. Um, Taylor Ross, where do people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Taylor Runs, although we talked about Live Label Free. Should probably change that soon. <laughs> um, and then on uh, YouTube, building that up, uh, Taylor Rose on there, you can find me as well. And then um, uh, those are the easiest ways to contact me. Taylor Rose, my fault, brother. Good stuff. Appreciate your conversation. Thanks so much. Good stuff today, brother. It was a good conversation. I love this. Yeah, most definitely. Appreciate you, Taylor.